Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald, the Executive Pastor of Transformation Church. With me is Brad Livingston, the Lead Pastor. What's up guys? Good to be back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. And uh, man, we are super excited just about all the things that are popping off here. And um, man, uh, having a, a good time. Third week at AMC. Number three. Also the third week of the summer. <laughs> and we felt it. Um, it was a fantastic week, but people out of town, all that kind of stuff. So lots of people out of town. Lots of people out of town. We were but counting earlier of everyone we could. Yeah, we just going down. down the list. There's a lot of people, and uh, half the crew went out on the same week, so that was good. Yeah, it's summer it, it vacations, is. but they'll all be back. They'll be back. But I tell you, who is not out of town right now, and it's one of our favorite people, and. Uh, She's joining us on the podcast today. Hey, Miss Ashley Ladd. Hello. Let's give it up for her. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> They love you. Jeez. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Hey, Ashley. How's it going? Ashley serves as our um, women's hub small group leader. Yes. Women's small group hub leader. Literally uh, the longest title ever. It's yeah, so it, it really is. <laughs> women's Perhaps we can come up with an acronym yes. for you. Women's Whiz- small group Whizgahub S G W Yeah W S G H L Yeah that cool. is. That's, that sounds <laughs> weird. And is the coach of our prayer team. Yes. Ashley, why don't you just real quick yeah. for the people here, let's name, rattle off a list of the things you do. Yeah, let's hear okay. it. Okay. <laughs> Women's small group hub leader, um prayer team coach. Yep. Uh, fill in <laughs> fill, fill Saturday in. morning prayer coach um, and devotional writer for the small group leaders. Ooh, I like that. And you also lead a small group. And I do lead small groups, yes. And you also serve on the preschool team. Yes. And <laughs> you're also a pipeline student. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... So- who overachieve yeah. much? <laughs> <laughs> I never learned how to say no. So, uh, Ashley's a killer That's around funny. here yeah. at TC. And, um, and you're also technically, I guess it's I'm, intern, a category for you now. Is that what you're doing with Karen or is that official? Yeah. yeah I yeah. guess intern. Yeah, pretty much. That's and aren't you like a nursing do. student too? I am. I was just accepted into the nursing program. Hey, yo, high uh, five. We're at. What kind of nurse do you want to be? Um, I want to be, hmm. Um, I don't necessarily always had a heart for the NICU. Uh, and then of course with Jay, I um, gained a heart for PICU. Um, but mostly I just want to be a bedside nurse. Like I don't, I want to be, um, the one who has like consistent patients. I'm not necessarily in, interested in like, you know, being like fast turnover patients or working in a doctor's office. Like I want to be uh, there to serve them, to make them feel comfortable, to, you know, essentially be the hands and feet of Christ to them, to make them feel um, valued and keep their integrity intact in their most vulnerable of moments. Um, mm. And I feel like you can really do that in a hospital setting and, you know, places like the NICU and PICU and oncology and things like that. So that's cool. Sounds like some Elizabeth Elliot type stuff there. Well, she is my, Actually. she is a mentor. Just she's saying. a <laughs> she's long distance mentor. Yes. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Are you for what? real? Who is that? Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, go ahead and go ahead and give them the skinny. You, who is that? While we're here, give uh, everyone else on the podcast a skinny too. All you listeners. So Elizabeth Elliot is Jim Elliot's wife. You know okay. who Jim Elliot is, I right? I know the name, yes. Okay. Well, she basically, I don't know, I don't know a lot about Jim Elliott, but she was, they traveled and they were on the missions field. Yeah. So I, I th- if I'm not mistaken, Jim Elliott went first. Yes. And, and so then she he, stayed home and Jim Elliott went to these, this place where they had in, in different shape, forms and fashion had communicated the name Jesus to them without being on the island. So then Jim goes to the island first, and I, I may not have all these specifics right. I'm yeah. just going based on my memory. Jim went to the island first, and when he got there, he was talking about Jesus, and they killed him. Not because he was talking about Jesus, just because he was 
obviously not from the island. Right. Okay. And um, and so then um, another group went back afterwards, and they were talking about Jesus, and they because Jim had gone before them and was ta- was mentioning the name of Jesus. When these people went back, they stopped and actually were listen to and receive the gospel from the second group because Jim had gone first. Um, and uh, Elizabeth was Jim's wife yeah. um, who ended up really kind of um, pioneering this understanding of suffering for the sake of the gospel. Absolutely. So, yeah. And you can take it from there. You've read more of her stuff than I have. But. Yeah. She's, um, she's, a, she's all about, um, you know, suffering for the sake of Christ. Um, the, the kind of stuff like Copeland teaches. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I sorry. was drinking out of my drink. I was like, uh, uh, no, yeah. definitely that out everywhere. Definitely not. Let uh, me not go there. Um, uh, but yeah, suffering for Christ, um, just really um, being poured out for his sake. She leads a lot of like women um, ministries. I know she has a couple of older, back then they were called radio shows. Now we call them podcasts, but um, just a lot that has to do with joy in the midst of suffering or joy in the midst of um, surrender and obedience. Um, so she's been a huge mentor. And then Corey Ten Boone and Darlene Dabler Rose, uh, Amy Carmichael, all of them served on the missions field um, and suffered for the name of Christ and, and did it well. Um, and their books have inspired me for sure. So it's cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Yep. How long till you're done with nursing school in two years? No, no, I should be done at the end of uh, December, 2020. So, yeah, I've already, yeah, because I already did all my prereqs, and now I'm just into the actual nursing program, and I just have to take my nursing courses and do my clinicals, and then I'll When do you start nursing courses? Uh, August 19th, I believe. Perfect. Two weeks, (laughs) two weeks before Pipeline Year 2 starts. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You are so bold. (laughs) No, I'm just... So Silly and crazy. Yeah, awesome. She, yeah, she likes volunteer torture. So, mm-hmm. um, it teaches me suffering, Brad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so dependency on the Lord. Oh, doesn't it though? But uh, yeah, so awesome. Ashley's on the podcast with us, and um, she. What days do you spend up here? You're up here Tuesday, Tuesday in and the Thursdays. Some of your Tuesday, Thursdays. Yeah. Most of our interns are Tuesday, Thursday now, but. Um. So anyways, yeah, we invited her on the podcast and, um, you know, uh, Ashley, you have like a, a deep understanding of like spiritual parenting and the necessity of being mentored and led in some of those things, which is kind of the angle and the slant of what we talked about a little bit on Sunday. Yeah. You know, so, um, now Ashley, do you have a spiritual father? Like, do you have that? Does anyone play that role in your life? I would say the closest that I've ever come to in that would be just you as my pastor, okay. essentially, because yeah. um, before I came to TC, I attended other churches, but they were on a bigger scale. Right. So there was really not any like personal mentoring happening with the pastor there. And then other than that, it's just been um, like Pastor uh, David Platt and Matt Chandler, just from, from their books, from, from their sermons from sure. afar, not like a personal. That makes me think of something, but it's off subject about Chandler, but... Oh, you know the new the articles that were dropping. And I listened, yeah. Well, I listened to, I I, I, I subscribed to the Village Church podcast, you know. Yeah. And I listened to this Sunday's message. He addressed it. Yeah. And the whole thing, and it was just kind of interesting. I didn't know all that went down, or yeah, but no clue. Or all that didn't go down, or that even didn't go down. Made it sound like it did. But, but the yeah. the New York Times, whatever, released a, somebody. There was an article, and yeah. he addressed it all. Yeah. And the thing, it was good. Yeah. Sexual abuse type something that happened in the church oh, yeah, gotcha. years ago. Yeah. Anyway, and, no, and they dealt with it, and they dealt with it properly. They did, yes. But the family felt like they should have been cared for more. Mm. And somehow, whoever wrote this article from New York Times or whatever painted it as a scandal in the church. Yeah. But it was like they were like, yes, it was not something that we wanted to happen. And then it wasn't a pastor. It was just something like, yeah, it's just something like, that but we handled it. Like we called the police. Like we volunteered the information yeah. first. We fired them immediately. Yeah. And then we, it happened years ago. Yeah. We like gave a six counsel- years ago at a camp or something. Yeah. Gotcha. We gave counseling to the family. But, like we, we did everything we could. He didn't even own the, the, the family. 
you know, the family had been a part of the church for 11 years. And he even owned the fact that, you know, this is, these, this family is one of us. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we, if they felt like, um, they could have been cared for more. He owned that. And he said, we've even sought, you know, counsel from people who told us what we may have could have done differently. And right. he, he owned, you know how Chandler is. Yeah, I mean, sure. he, he completely owned it all. It was really, it was really great. It was really great. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't know all that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't see the article or hear about it till I heard him talk about it. Yeah. I've been connecting with a couple people at the village church. Um, and so uh, it, 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 I had gotten a text message that was like, man, say they, they were just talking about like, pray for Pastor Matt. And they listed like three or four other pastors that I guess were closely associated. Now they're all campus pastors, of, but they were all closely related when the thing happened. Anyways, they were just kind of, so I was, I had kind of heard about it. It, it did quick. sound like the church handled it, the whole process, 100% properly. Yeah. Even their public statements that they made along the way that they did make, the family got to approve them first because they wanted to be sensitive to them sure um, and there was some stuff originally i guess he addressed it so i'm assuming the article said something but they're like how the when the church first publicly made a statement or said something that they left details out but he addressed that he's like we ha- the we were told we couldn't address some things because it was an ongoing investigation the detectives yeah. and the lawyer said we can't say those things right yeah. so we said what we could based on yeah. And he, he said that uh, through all this, we've been passive. And he said, I don't mean passive like we're sitting in our hands. We as a church can't force the justice system to move faster or move the investigation. Sure. He's like, we're a part of this, just like a part of the investigation like everyone else. So we can only do what they allow us to do. Right. So he kind of addressed it. It was just, it was a, it was good. You know, if you've ever dealt with any kind of scandal in a church, you know, yeah, it's I kind of have, but nothing like with a kid or anything extent. like that. Right. But, um, That's hard. you know, it's just, there's so much you, no matter what you say, it's not enough for some people. Yeah, so it's course. like you got to oh, deal with absolutely. that. Absolutely, you know? people yeah. are going to have whatever opinions. They but have. I don't know how we got off on that. But because <laughs> we, we were just talking about, about Platt and Chandler, and yeah. oh, spiritual sons and daughters, and, yeah, yeah. And, and fathers and stuff. Yeah, and I, that's you know it's kind of the same way. That, that obviously my my dad was a spiritual father for me, obviously. But then there's also been people that the Lord has just kind of dropped in throughout the way. Pastor Joe, who recently went home to be with the Lord from New Jersey, um, was definitely would definitely fall in that category. Um, and so, and then there's just others, you know, but that have had a decent voice, honestly, but go, what I was getting at is just like for you, like, so one of the people that has been that for me from afar, uh, was Larry Stocksdale from Bethany, uh, and oh, yeah. Baton Rouge. Yeah. Like he was, I mean, yeah. Phenomenal. Fen- you know? Um, and so, you know, without unbeknownst to him, he's been a <laughs> huge voice, um, a matter of fact, he was, what was unique is Larry, Pastor Larry Stockstill has been able to put into writing and into a format that can be re-delivered. Um, he was able to put it, put words to what my father had done in my life, but didn't necessarily know and didn't communicate that he was doing it. He just did it. Right. You know, um, so he wasn't saying like, this is what I'm doing and this is why he just fathered me. Well, he was a spiritual father to me. He led me, he discipled me, he did all of those things. Um, but then there were aspects of it that was a father like nature where he encouraged, he identified gifts. He encouraged those gifts. He called those gifts out when the time was right. Yeah. He pushed me when I needed to be pushed. He pulled me when I needed to be pulled. Like there were things and, uh, Pastor Larry was able to, he's been able to over time between, you know, times I've been able to sit down with him, books that I've read, times I've gone to Baton Rouge, times he's been in Pensacola. Um, he's been able to put words to that enough that as I knew it was a part of the ministry that we were going to have, he's been able to create enough content to be able to identify the necessity of it and yeah. give us contextualization in print, if you will, that we can redistribute and train and develop other leaders to be. So that's kind of, you know, he's been one of those guys for me. So awesome. anyways, what about you, Justin and spiritual? Yeah. I, you know, maybe in the context that I, I was in, that was not a term that was used. Right. Um, necessarily. So I, you know, like I totally obviously understand, understand the concept of a spiritual father. Right. That wasn't something that usually I, I never. So there are people that were instrumental in my walk, especially early on, you right. know, cause I didn't grow up in church. Like, you know, 
having someone since I was a kid. It was, uh, so there was those people and, you know, some of those were instrumental and then turned out that there was issues and like, they're not even serving the Lord anymore, you know, but they were at the time could have maybe been considered a spiritual father to me, you know, but so so I don't even want to use, I don't want to use that label because that part, they're no longer even walking with the Lord. Um, at least serving him, you know? So, um, yeah. So there are people, I don't have someone that's like, this is my spiritual father that I just, I just don't use that term sure. internally, yeah, but yeah, I get yeah. it. You know, like even somebody like Al Bethea, who's a very close friend, yep, yep, but yep. he's been someone, you know, just, yeah. just even from a, I don't say counseling standpoint, but I do use him for counseling kind of sometimes. I mean, he's got a PhD in biblical Christian counseling. So he's a real close friend, but I also use him. I say use him, you know, he yeah, yeah, is someone that I'll go to, him. go to and, you know, um, that kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, people like Al and even the church I used to be at would, what would pastor Wes, you know, was a person that was one of those people for me for a long time, you know? Sure. So, um, I just no longer serve in that church. Yeah. So he's, you know, I just, I don't know that I would use that term for him, but for a long time, he was a person that w- spoke into my life and, you know, right, that right, that, right. kind of like you said, Ashley, yeah. like with pastor Brad, cause he's your pastor. It was a kind of very similar yeah. and I was in leadership and then on staff. And so I just had a, a closer relationship than most people did with him. But, um, so yeah. 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 I think that that's a, you know, it's not, it's not something that necessarily everybody, it's not something that everybody gets. Well, I gets is a bad word. It's not something that everyone receives. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who are saved that haven't, haven't experienced that. Right. And I'm going to, what I'll use is they haven't experienced that level of discipleship with that kind of intentionality. Yeah. Cause it really is. It, it, it does take a lot of time. Um, it takes a lot of attention. Um, you really, it, it, I don't think that every person is cut out to be a spiritual father. Like I don't, you know, if you, you really have to have the, the feeling of her thinking type of like framework right. to, you know, um, that's tough for me. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm a thinker, not a feeler, you yeah. know, so yeah. that's tough for me. Yeah. Well, and even I think about like, I, 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 you know, I don't know some of, you know, your former pastors, uh, Myers-Briggs, I would probably maybe put thinker there more than feeler in that particular case. Me and him very similar in that. So yeah. yes, yes. So I, so that's why I say, I yeah. think it's one of those things where it's like, well, you, you know, not being in a situation where, um, your leaders were those people or, or even if the, the ministry created, uh, that type of culture, um, even though there were certain things that happened over there that you can definitely see the nights and stuff like that, you know, where, oh, no doubt. where, oh, totally. where fatherhood was definitely something uh, that was, Conceptual, or even as a as a, I don't say even as a theory. Like as a Christian, like the belief is there that that's important. Sure. On an individual basis, and, and this is in no way a knock toward him as that pastor because I'm me and him are very similar in this aspect. Sure. So I'm actually if I'm if it's negative, it's negative on myself. But we are more of a a, a thinker yeah. and not a, a. It's it's just real like it's real intentional, like you said. Yeah, you, you, you know? do. You have to you have to be intentional about creating space. And the thing is, is we shouldn't have to. Spiritual yeah. fatherhood actually should not exist. It has to because fathers fail their children. Mm-hmm, that's good. And therefore, right, like now we have to step back in. So um, areas of people's lives where they're naturally insecure or fearful or anxiety exists or whatever, someone steps into that realm to do for that 20-year-old or 25-year-old or 30-year-old or yeah. 35-year-old or sometimes a 45-year-old steps into the world to say, like, I understand, but... You, you know what I mean? Like the reason Johnny would never get back on the bike right. after he fell the first time, if his dad had not told him he could, like, I know you scraped your knee, but come on, get back up and let me show you, you can still do this. Yeah. That's not happening spiritually for a lot of people. Therefore, like, you know, and at the end of the day, all it really is is discipleship. It is. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's a new label, it's a new name, but it's really not a new thing. It's just that, you know, it's hard for this generation to be discipled if we don't deal with their insecurities and issues. Mm-hmm. And I'm part of it. So, like, I my hand raised me too, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, okay. So, it, it's hard to disciple a generation without dealing with the issues that exist within the generation because of a lack of fatherhood. Um, therefore, we have to tackle both at the same time, which is why... Um, you know, not, not everybody gets it slash needs it, but those that do really do. 
And so that's why it's a healthy place to be. But anyways. yeah, that's good. So yeah, that's which making, uh, that's I making think, me think. Yeah, I think I kind of do that for Lad over here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right. Oh uh, yeah. I put I, I push Lad beyond what <laughs> she's comfortable with at all times. Yes, and calling me out on things as well for sure. Like None if better. I. Nothing better than calling someone out. You know? I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you just need it, though. Like, there, there are moments, you know, where I need somebody to say, hey. don't do that anymore. Hey. Stop <laughs> Tighten that. up. Oh, Put yeah, a yeah. boundary in place, for yeah. goodness sake, yeah. child. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, I've told Ashley on multiple occasions, like, don't do that anymore. Yes. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Sometimes you got, like, you know, and I think mine and your relationship is like that, you know, um, in that, like, I think by nature. So for the listeners that don't know, Ashley uh, was also a babysitter slash caretaker for Jabin, my son, um, for a long time. So her and I had a much closer proximity. So she was like, she's part of our family. Like she has, I'm looking at her Jabin tattoo on her arm right now. Um, So she's a part of our family. So therefore proximity created uh, an increased level of, fatherhood and um pastoring slash discipling slash fathering to an extent in a spiritual context of um we had a lot more conversations than a lot of other people that i've led in the past have she kind of got 10 years of conversations in two years it kind of feels like like, every morning i'd walk in and be like before you leave (laughs) yeah she's like i have a question (laughs) yeah we're doing this or i have what about this yeah so we would actually have like real applicable hands-on conversations about what she's currently either what she was going through or what you were helping lead other people but through. Yeah, like for sure. there was a lot of that that happened. And so there was a lot of moments where I was like, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm like, doesn't doing matter. Like, you're going to do it anyways. Yes. Like transitions oh and gosh. speaking in front of people and all those things. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then there's also been moments where I was like, you're not going to do this anymore. Like yeah. pull back, stop being <laughs> this or, you know, which like, is needed. Yeah, of course. So yeah. it's, it's appreciated for sure. Or just, you know, encouragement or affirmation or things that I had been praying about. Um, you know, you just randomly would like, the way that you would say something to me, you may not have known it, but I had been praying about that for a while. And the way that you delivered whatever you delivered, it was as if it came from the Lord. Like he just used you sure. to kind of affirm or encourage or call out or, right, right, you right, know, right. tell me to stop or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it's, it's been good. I mean, it's been good. Like I, you know, it's, it's like we said, it's a necessary level of engagement and discipleship, but also, and this is the thing, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm reading letters to the church by Francis Chan right now. Oh, oh, so very, I just love Francis. Yeah. Chan. Anyway, so someone I, else posted about that yesterday. Yeah. I'm pick I'm, it. Oh yeah. Mike, I did it. see his post. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm reading letters by the church right now. And one of the things that this conversation and reading that book is continuing just to stir up is like this idea of like what we're really doing is creating, creating solutions on where the church has failed itself. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, you know, and, and don't, don't get me wrong. I love our church. When I say the church, like capital C big church. Um, but like essentially we should raise all followers of Jesus to be discipled to the extent that they live 100% dependent on Christ and not within ourselves, And like, we should do that all the time. Uh, we don't, you know, sometimes unintentionally, um, we do create a subculture of, um, I'm trying to think of the word, like we do create a subculture of consumers of the gospel Oh yeah. And not disciples of the gospel. You know, so mm-hmm. it's for me. It's like, right. But it's also in you. Like it should cause a new version of you to not like, you know, and, uh, doesn't always happen, which is again, why you know, this conversation is, is necessary, especially, you know, we even talked about it. We, we talked, we mentioned it Sunday, the reason why we have such a high level of, uh, promiscuity amongst women oh yes is <laughs> has a lot to do with the fact that their fathers weren't fathers to them in a natural mm-hmm. sense also in an emotional sense um which by default created a spiritual sense um and and then also in young men too you know so young men are running into the arms of other men 
from a you know homosexuality is that's not always the reason why you know but it is oftentimes a big reason why for many young men is they're really just looking for what they did not get from their father for sure um so but that's a great segue anyway so yeah it is we talked about fatherhood someday yeah we did and uh <laughs> it was father's day it was father's day and uh man it it will it'll be the cry of my heart until the day i die till the day i take my last breath spiritual fathering will be like i'm you know if if we build a great church you know if god graces us to do that it will be on the backbone of spiritual fatherhood and mentorship and essentially the only way i knew how to do discipleship which is how larry pastor dan taught me with action and pastor larry gave me the information in words um, which is that um, to duplicate yourself through life Mm -hmm. you know yes in a classroom but just through life so that's where we are with that whole thing but um so anyways we we segued with um matthew 3 which is like my starting point for fatherhood it's so good (laughs) it's my it's it's one of my favorites uh in the bible um, because it just gives us such a like a, to me it gives us such a clear precise blueprint for like who a father is supposed to be um and what's crazy i don't know about you guys when i what's crazy is like if you're not careful you could read and skip right over that like it's so many times <laughs> in the bible like, if you just skip over one word or just one phrase you miss yeah. so much context and so much of what it you know was intended to do yeah yeah, definitely. Especially like, you know, I think one thing like if you, if God is ever talking to someone, it's usually more than just what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Like anytime the Lord does something, the like you know, God's talking to Jesus from a father to a son perspective, like there is always more in that than just the word. Like it's yeah. not just a cool story. Like there's some substance there that you want to grab a hold of. But I was. Well, Go oh, ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say, um, I was reading this morning um, just about sonship um, because I think when women read the Bible, like it's so, it we innately want to change the word son to daughter. We want to add that in there, sons and daughters, but that really isn't seen in scripture at all. Like you don't see the term. Feminism. Right. You, <laughs> you don't Justin see that anywhere. <laughs> but we innately want to, you know, you'll see people write devotionals that'll be like slash, you know sons slash daughters but it's like when you do that you completely overlook the point of what was being communicated in that like son sonship in that culture it it was just more important than a daughter it just was and you and you can be upset about that all day long or pick it apart but when you just accept it for what it is then you recognize what god is actually saying to you by calling you his sons even as a female he's saying you are my son like you are in my family you are my child well and that yeah absolutely and even going to that like uh, so um, young men and young women in, in the bible's times young men were for legacy and young women were transactional Right. So, um, you would have a daughter and you would love the daughter. You would raise the daughter, but at some point the daughter is going to be a transaction by which you receive a number of things in, in a transaction for giving her away to someone. So whether goats and cattle or land or gold and silver, I mean, whatever it may be, it's, it's your daughter's transactional. Whereas your son is a legacy. It's your name being carried on. It's a continuation, right? Um, which you're right. So when we talk about sons, you know, when, when God refers to sons and when the Bible refers to sons, the reason that that is important is to recognize like that God is not, we're, we're not, a bypassing transaction to the Lord. Right. Like he's invested in the legacy that we now carry. Even as females, like, so the analogy isn't a, a, a gender thing. It's an understanding your value. Right. God looks at us and sees us as legacy carriers. It's, it's a bigger thing yeah. than just transaction, which is crazy because what God ultimately let Jesus become Was is a transaction. A transaction. <laughs> the gospel is the greatest transaction ever made. Mm-hmm. One yeah. man's life for the for the sins of all of those of us that would put our faith in Jesus. Like so, God actually gives females access into the legacy portion mm-hmm. of the gospel by taking His only Son, who was meant to be a legacy, and making Him transactional. Right. 
And yeah, I think that it's huge. It's crazy. Brings so much healing to women just in general when they recognize that like everybody else in the world views you as a transaction, looks at you as somebody that's beautiful for them, something pleasing to them, something to be done for them. That's like good. that's like, yeah. that's the fight of femininity, right? Like we're trying to make ourselves more than just a body, more than just beauty. Sure. God did that. Yeah. Like he did it even in the story of Leah and Rachel, like Leah was the ugly one, mm-hmm. like for lack of, but like, sure. and he gave her identity. He's the one who looked past what the world was seeing and called her his. So I think that there's just a lot of healing for, for women, if they would stop trying to, you know, create it for themselves and they can see so much of what God has already done for them. Sure. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, it's the, it's the phrase that goes around. It's like, you know, and and I'm certainly don't want to get like into the weeds of a feminism conversation. I know that's not our goal. (laughs) You know, it's like, man, like, you know, to, to some extent, like we've become so consumed with trying to create equality that we haven't recognized the individuality that God has given us. And, and, um, and so, yeah, I think it is, it is healing. It's humility for men because Jesus, the greatest of all men, Mm-hmm. became a transaction on our behalf, which is that, that women of that era were good for quote unquote. Right. I'm not saying that's my opinion. I'm just giving <laughs> you like statistics. Right. Um, and, and the legacy, right. Everything of a, of what a father would look to in a son, which would be to be proud of him, to love him, to see him carry something on um, for his namesake, you know, but the, but the Bible says that, God had to turn his back on Jesus on the cross, right? Like he, and so now he had to do to Jesus what no man would ever want to do to their son. You know what I mean? Like, so there's so many nuances in the gospel where Jesus, where, where men see to become like Christ means to take on a humility, right? That is Mm Christ-like, which means to step into the world where we would embrace an understanding of how women feel, from that standpoint, yeah. like, so yeah, there's so many subtle, subtle and sometimes not subtle nuances about the gospel. Um, because Jesus came, became again, the least. Yeah. So it's so much more than just like wealth, but he can do that because he knew who he was and he knew where he was going. That's right. And I think that with like what you're saying, spiritual fatherhood, you know, speaking that into the lives of the young men in our culture will give them ultimately the security of their identity in Christ, which will allow them to be humble in this world. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Because when, when God gives us an identity, you know I mean? Jesus, there was no point where Jesus didn't know who he was. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the beauty of Matthew three. The portion of scripture we're getting ready to read now. Um, even going like even God's timing, like, you know, well, let's just go there. Matthew 3, what is it? 13 through 15. 13 through right? 15. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. Uh, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Yeah, and so this is a conversation between John and Jesus, and then we go to verse 16 and 17 where Jesus gets baptized. Yeah, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Yeah, so uh, what happens here is we see Jesus coming out of the water, and we kind of create like the blueprint for fatherhood here, right? So um, where God says, this is my son with whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased, right? So even though there was no moment in time we see throughout the scripture where Jesus was unsure of his identity, we see there's no point in time where Jesus questioned where he came from or any of those things, which uh, is, is special in and of itself, he always knew who he was. He always knew what he was here for. Like he was, he was, had a, a very driven life, but even then, so the context behind Matthew three and what's happening is we know that Jesus is soon after about to experience the Pharisees and all these religious leaders who are going to try to at least convince everyone around Jesus, if not Jesus himself, that he is not who he's saying he is. Right. And so even the Lord's timing to say like, no, 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 I'm about to build up these things in you as a father 
so that when you come in contact with everything else, when you come in contact with the entire world that tells you you're not who I say you are, you have an answer and a response to them. Right. And that's why the pillars, the pillars of fatherhood exist within this context. That's why Matthew 3, 13 through 17 is such a powerful, um, portion of scripture for fatherhood um, and that's why Matthew three seventeen in particular gives us the blueprint for fatherhood because it should it should create a context for every believer every Christian um, it should give us the three things which is the three things that we we stand up on you know uh, in there we talked about the three different characters and and what they display uh, before we got into fatherhood, which is John shows us obedience, Jesus shows us submission, and God shows us fatherhood. Um, you know, but then we that kind of segues us into the pillars of fatherhood. Which uh, uh, let's go through those real quick, Justin. Just to yeah, first uh, a father establishes identification. So a father, yeah, I mean that's just what you were talking about. You know, what I'm saying like yeah. identification, knowing knowing who you are, and knowing that that can never be taken away. Right. Like you're, you know, I just had this a conversation with my dad and my brother, uh, like today because they have kind of like a hard time communicating with each other. Um, and so I tell my brother all the time, I'm like, understand that even if you never met your own expectations that you set for yourself or, or you didn't meet the expectations that dad set for you, like nothing is ever going to take away the fact that he approves of you as his son. Like that will never be lost. Your son should like you're his son no matter what. Yeah, that's good. That's true, and that's like that's who I am. Like I don't have to lose my identification based on uh, merits or actions or a lack of actions or wrong right. decisions. Like that doesn't change who we are in Christ. Um, and so, like grabbing a hold of and rooting our identity in who Jesus is and who Jesus died for us to be and who God says we are and all those things like, man, those things are, um, are so important. Right. And the problem with identity is if we don't have the right identity, we go searching for the wrong one. Yeah. And that's the hard part. Right. So it's like, we try to, we, we try to overcompensate with work or, you know, we try to overcompensate with accomplishment. Uh, you know, like we build our identity around who we are, you know, um, Justin, you're 39, 38, 30. Well, I'm about to walk out. <laughs> no, you're what you're 33, right? I'm 33. I feel like I'm the oldest person in this room. You're about to be 34. I'm 33 for one more month. <laughs> for one more month. Ashley, how old are you? 35. 35. Dang you old. <laughs> Just I thought you were younger. I thought you were my age. For some reason, I had that in my brain. Nope. 35. 35. 35. I'm about so, to be 34. It's not going to be a good day. Did you Did you ever used to watch the movie Brink on the Disney Channel? The rollerblading movie? No. I think did, I watched it for like a split second. I don't second. do nothing. Oh, man. I watched that like 10 times when I was younger. You wouldn't go find me on the Disney Channel. I think I only watched it because of my sister. It was one of those good movies, though. It's like rollerblading. Disney Channel and good movies don't go together. When I, when I, when I was 12, like... Even for me. Uh, well... You wrong. So uh, <laughs> Johnny Tsunami was fire. Okay, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, I remember I, for whatever I don't. Actually, I do know why I remember this. But all right, so when we were younger, uh, this church started getting. My dad was a pastor of a church. Things went a little weird. The leadership got crazy. Ended up having to leave the church. All that to say, um, when when all that happened. I remember Pastor Dan, you know, we, we had to really had some long conversations about it. And one of the reasons we had to have long conversations about it was I remember, I remember him having a real hard time struggling with who he was because he could no longer do the thing that he had built his identity around. So I wonder if he's a three on the Enneagram. I don't know. <laughs> surely, surely he, he might be, he might have be. him take it. So he, so he, I remember he had built his identity in what he did. Yeah. But what happens when you can no longer do yep. what you do? Exactly. You, now you don't know who you are. That's right. And so many people in life have done, so many people in life have done that. They've built their identity around what they're capable of. They've built their identity around what they've accomplished. You know, uh, hi, I'm John Smith. I'm a architect lawyer doctor pastor whatever especially in the pastor world though because i'm pastor pastor yeah exactly pastor so-and-so exactly it's it's in your it's in your name name. and the church (laughs) culture the church culture doesn't help with that 
No. You know, it's like you're supposed to, you know, like when anyone, anytime I see someone that has their name is Bishop John Smith on Facebook, I'm like, get out of here. Like, yeah. I'm not interested. Stop. Right? Because it's yeah. like, it's like, how about you just be John? Yeah. You know, like, I don't walk through the hallways demanding people call me. Like, it, it's just, it's a thing. where, it, And so, especially for people... Like, I understand respect, and I understand those things, and you want people to respect the position, and I I get it. My thing is, like, I'm not putting my Instagram name as Pastor Brad, like, I'm not, I just, it's a thing. The reason why is, like, I'm a follower of Christ first, all titles aside. All accomplishments aside, who I am is not dictated by the office that I hold or the title. Right. My identification Spe- especially isn't tied in the up. Because I mean, technically, to me, the way I look at it is technically, you're only a pastor because you have a role in a church. Right. Like if you if you left TC right now and you were not in a church, right. you're, you're reverend. You're Reverend Brad Livingston. Right. You're not pastor anymore because you're not totally, totally. sitting in the office of pastor. Right. You know, so there's even these weird, it almost turns into semantics. Like it does. It's just, but the yeah. thing is, is like, most people are just hiding behind it. I mean, at the end of the oh, yeah. day, most people are, they just can't. Well, well, and I think some of it's cultural too. It um, is. You know, like I always got a kick out of guys that I knew that had the title apostle, but there's 30 people in your little church. <laughs> and you ain't launched no other church. And you ain't launched another church. Like right, yeah. that. Sorry, bud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That ain't what that means. Right. Same with so, the same with the bishop thing. Apostle, yeah, bishop, prophet. Yeah. Like, oh, don't prophet get me started with prophet. <laughs> uh, don't get me started with prophet. So yeah, the people whole- do actually like still label themselves as prophets. Absolutely. Like, I was blown away when I saw that. I was Absolutely. Like, what? what happens when you're wrong? I've, I think we should take the Old Testament. I think we should carry give that me into the New Testament. Give me a rock. If you Somebody. if you prophesy and you're wrong, we should take you all back and stone you. Give me a rock. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I'm not down with all the titles. I, it it just blows down. my mind. But the thing is, is a apostle the, doctor. The reason <laughs> that's, why I, that's an, that's a, and I'll even, I'll even say this. I'll even say this. I might get flack for it. Don't care. You can send your emails oh, to Justin. Yes. I think a big reason why a lot of people embrace and keep those titles. The big reason why a lot of people fight for those titles is because they're riddled with insecurities. They don't know who they are. Then they go get the title. Hear me in the only place you can get one without actually earning it which is the church if you're good enough at manipulating people you can get a title in the church you don't need a degree you don't need to make x amount of dollars you don't need to prove yourself as long as you can make people cry at the right time and clap at the right time you can get your title uh, listen and so that's i think that's y'all why better a lot be of people, listening right now <laughs> i think that's why a lot of people in the church are doing it man and it got nothing to do with servanthood it don't have anything to do with washing people's feet it has nothing to do with taking care of your own all as long as you can make people cry and clap you can get a title and let's take it a step further you can even get a degree from what? That non-accredited college? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like I, I do. A, yeah. a lot of Bible colleges. I'm going to say most because I don't know the number. Good chunk. No accreditation. Some of the big ones. Christ, Christ of the Nations in Dallas. That's not accredited. Pensacola Christian College right here. Humongous. No yeah. accreditation. No accreditation. Or not, uh, uh, really? You know, here's the it's weird thing. Here's the weird, weird thing with accreditation is there's levels. Okay. Based on how much money the college has in the, like the UWF has to keep so much money to get a certain level of accreditation. So you may go to one, but even that accreditation, that, that what's that kid in town that did the video on, what you call it? I forgot his name. Holden yeah. or whatever. You know, the there's even accreditations out there though that you, they'll accredit you but you just pay the money. So I can start a college and then I'm accredited by them, but all they require is you them. send them a check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's garbage. That's like, that's like the group here in town, apostle doctor. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. a doctor from his own school. That's not accredited. Yeah. You ain't a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 did, you gotta have that third party. You like. didn't, you went to no class. Like yeah. you started the school, gave yourself like, Come on, bro. Fuck wild, man. And that's what Buck I'm saying. It's wild. Like, as people have built their identity in that. And that's yeah. such a dangerous place to be because what happens when you can no longer do it? I was so like one person that has really impacted my life in a big way. I've seen him at multiple conferences. I've never really like officially met him, met him, but I've been able to, I've never sat down with him at a dinner table, but I have met him, but I've heard him talk a lot is Bob Sorge. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Bob Sorge. So, um, he uh, early on in ministry he was introduced into kind of my life as a 
just as a person that I know about um, from a worship perspective. So he's a worship leader, but he's also a pastor. And at one point, like when his ministry was going as good as it could possibly go, um, God took his voice away. And so if you ever hear him talk, it's very, um, it's very, very deep and very raspy. And he can only talk for about an hour a day and then he can't talk anymore. Otherwise I've heard his story before. Yeah. He, I've shown one of his videos in one of my sermons before. Okay. And, uh, he was, he was telling his story and, um, but anyways, man, he, he was talking about like, what do I do when I can no longer be the person I've always been? And it's realizing you never stop being who God has identified you to be, even if you can't do what you used to be able to do. And so all that to say is many people, and I think all of us are too guilty of this to an extent, but people really, some people really take it too far is they build their identity around what they can do, not who God says that they are. Yeah. And, and then, then and then you got them cats that like fake it, like the dude that wrote Healer. Yeah. That song yeah, Healer. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal song. Yeah. That's a powerful song. It's all he's true. A, he's in Australia, right? Yeah. I think he was in Australia. Yeah, you, Australia. Do you know that? That's that story? No. Guy wrote that song Healer, you know that I believe you're my healer. Yes. The, the guy who wrote that was a worship leader that had cancer. Uh-huh. And he wrote the song and would lead that song with the oxygen with tank. the oxygen tank it was in the middle of his cancer come to find out homeboy never had cancer it was Stop. all fake what? yeah well and so here's the thing though and this is what's interesting about that he never had cancer but he was having this all the symptoms of cancer because of his addiction to pornography and sex Stop. So he what? like he was he was having so much anxiety, especially after he started like getting famous. He was oh, having no. so much anxiety. His hair was falling out as oh, if I he were that. going to chemo. Trust me. Like he was like he was his health was getting bad. He couldn't eat anymore. So it was really weird because he was having like all of these symptoms, which is why even his parents believed it. Yeah, he had like everybody at before. first. You know, like he was like, oh my, they were everyone was blown away. And of course, you know, anytime he would lead the song, it was like a tearjerker. Like, oh my god, he's on you know oxygen mask yeah, on the whole thing, singing that song. Oh yeah, come on, bro. Yeah, that's that's man, a lot. We got a branding issue in the church. Yeah, that's why people are choose not to believe is that I kind agree. of stuff. You know, yeah. and then the that's a obviously a real extreme case sure even the dude you talk about the voice but like the things with the titles and all like that's real stuff people build their or they get saved you know we all know the people that get saved you know new christians like zealous really over overzealous i don't mean that negatively but you know which turns into like chasing you know these that's why we talk in growth track about gifts and that's why i think it's important to teach gifts because there are some gifts that like the gift of helps you know no one they're not on the stage, right. you know, they don't get the, you know, so sometimes you see like the worship leader or the pastor the, sure. you know, or the, the, the preacher. It's like, I, th- that's, that's making it. It's well, like, that's, that's what, not making it. They're just living out their calling. Like you should live out yours, wherever right. yours is. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, how many times did I tell the pipeline, you know, we, we finished, Ashley went through year one of the pipeline with us. For those who don't know, we have a leadership pipeline where we develop ministry and um, leaders for, to, to essentially to- You can get your doctorate. To, <laughs> <laughs> we don't offer that, uh, but to- MDiv, come on in. To, to release them and empower them for the work in the body, in the local church. I mean, to essentially Absolutely. what the Bible calls us to do. Um, we do that uh, here at TC, but uh, Ashley will tell you how many times in the pipeline I was like, listen to me. Every single one of you are one God moment away from being in a hut in South mm-hmm. Africa, oh, yes. preaching to a tribe that doesn't speak English and never having air conditioning or a car or money for the rest of your life. Yeah. I was like, do not fall in love with everything of this world mm. Absolutely. and titles and all those things because you're not promised a platform. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and so- like that's or even what your platform would look like right right like your platform might be you know like i think uh like darling diaper rose like on her like her and her husband got married instead of going to her honeymoon you know she she packed her bag and went to uh new guinea like proclaiming the gospel i mean that was her platform like it's not a stage it's not it's not there's nobody seeing you nobody's applauding your you know until they read her book nobody even knows who she is and yet god saw her like so much of what we do that's that's why i have a lot of respect not so much i have a lot of respect for nuns yeah not so much priests and i don't mean that bad but yeah there's a 
some priest, yeah. true priest, um, that really do it for the, the true reason. Um, but but nuns, yeah, there, there's no nameless, faceless. Yeah, they sure. they you you sign up, you go to the thing, you go to their school, you know, like vow of celibacy. Mm-hmm. Some of them take vows of silence and live in you know, and then you're shipped off to wherever you're gonna wherever they're gonna kind of station you, and you serve that church and that priest and that congregation. But man, just. By giving it all up for yeah. serving Jesus. Now, I'm not going to get into the, the, the Catholicism right, and all that, but nonetheless, I think there's a pure, there's something pure in their hearts to want to do, yeah. to give their life for what they believe. They believe like what they're, I mean, right. they're doing it because they believe that so, what they're doing is unto the Lord. And so, yeah, laying down the ultimate level of sacrifice, yeah. you know, and essentially, I mean, essentially, they're doing in a tangible, physical way what we're talking about doing in a spiritual way, which is becoming no one mm. so that Christ can become someone, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, t- like taking on, and that's what you're talking about with identity. You know, it's like Jesus, you know, when it comes to a father gives identity or he like gives, you know, identification, um, to the child, which is like, but spiritual fathers give spiritual fathers, give a new identification. They identify the identity that God is giving. So spiritual fathers continue to identify the new person that you are without being concentrated on the old person that you used to be. Like, it's like, so this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. And so that's a huge point, you know, and fathers in general, earthly fathers, you know, you need to identify who your children, they know they're yours, you know, they're yours, but they still need to hear it. Like mm-hmm. they need to know who they belong to because there's coming a day where their world crashes and they're going to go to the person that has identified them the most. Mm-hmm. And if that's, you know, whoever it is, if it's a teacher, they're going to that teacher when the world crashes. If it's a, you know, if it's a drug dealer, gangbanger yep. on the street corner that's yep. where they're going if it's a if it's a young woman that they think they're in love with that's where they're going they're going to the person who has told them who they are even if that that they're being told who they are isn't actually who they are but they're just being told they're they're getting something yeah. they're getting an identity it's just not true right but they still are embracing that identity so yeah which takes us to number two with a father you, offers validation a father offers validation um so and this is where it gets i think this is i I think identity is an easy one to understand in christian circles and in spiritual circles i think these next two are where it gets a little like uh this is you know like so i think even a lot of spiritually fed spiritually matured people can understand the identification part but the validation part is where it starts to get hard and the reason why it gets hard is because this is where it really takes work from someone to step in to validate means to, I mean, you got to show up, you know? So in Matthew three, he says, this is my son. That was his identification, right? So God speaks to Jesus says, this is my son. He's identified. He says with whom I love. And that level of validation is uncomfortable in many circles because one how can you understand the love of God if you've never received the love of a father on earth? That's a hard concept to grasp. Mm-hmm. So when you're like, God loves you like a father. Some people are like, uh, so he's going to bail on me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like, or he's going to beat me up or he's going to verbally abuse me or he's going to smack my mom around because that's the version of fatherhood that they know, you know? So it's like to understand, like God tells Jesus, this is my son with whom I love to understand true love. It's rooted in God which means it's identified in the gospel. So it's like trying to communicate like that God loves you. Like he loves you and you're not going to find this kind of love anywhere else, no matter how hard you look. So if your father failed to give it to you, stop going to other men thinking they can do it because where they failed can only be replaced by God. Mm -hmm. And so you can keep trying, but young men, looking for father's validation are going to go to other men to try to find it, which again goes back to our, what we said earlier, which is why I think some of them, not all of them, I think some of them end up in homosexual relationships because they're looking for what their father never gave them, um, which is validation. Um, and same w- reason why some women, not all, but some end up in promiscuous situations because they're trying to be 
what they think this other man wants or needs them to be so that they'll get that validation. Um, in turn, many of them end up pregnant before marriage or, you know, whatever, just on down the line of what can happen from a situation like that, or just in a, you know, um, in a relationship that completely destroys them or whatever. Um, so validation is just huge in that arena. Or just in a cycle of always feeling like they have to do in order to kind of oh, feed that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feed that that validation, that need for affirmation, that like, mm-hmm. you know, like just constantly doing the next thing, constantly trying to be a perfectionist, improving. Just, and, you know, as soon as that validation stops, because it always does at some point. Just I mean, Pastor Brad has said that before. Like when you're, consistently really good at something at some point you stop getting the pat on the back every time you get off the stage so then what happens when your validation ends at that point you move on to the next thing it's like a drug just like everything else is you just keep trying to find it other places so yeah absolutely that's right that's right and we even had this conversation uh, it was kind of all three of these things rolled into one. So uh, our friend who may or may not listen to this podcast, I don't know. She doesn't live here anymore. Jenna. Oh uh, yeah. Jenna. I don't know if she listens. To <laughs> so um, we were, when she was living here, uh, for those of you that don't know, Jenna's a, she's a gangster, um, retired Navy. Yes. I think so. Now in the police department. And now she works for the police department out West. Jenna who? Jenna so, Arisgato. Arisgato. Huh. Um, she's not retired. All right, no, she, she was, she, she was in the Navy. Yeah. yeah. She finished her, okay. finished her first, whatever, gotcha. however that works. But so she was in the Navy. Then she, now she's a police officer, oh, crossfitter, a, a police officer. She just like, started. Oh, she, really? So, so yeah. Cool. Super strong. Yeah. She's cool. Very confident in herself at the same time. Um, uh, but at the same time, her and I were having this conversation. Um, and it was me, my mom, her and Miss Debbie that goes to our church with, you know, for those of you that know who that is. Orville Redenbacher. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> for those oh, of you who may remember. So, uh, so we were talking and we were actually having this conversation and she was like, she, she was agreeing with what I was saying. And then she was like, yeah, she was like, I don't struggle with identity or validation at all. And I was like, you're so wrong. <laughs> and she was like, well, what do you mean? And uh, I, I was, I helped her in as brief of a, of concise of a conversation as I could, because it's such a long, it's a process to get someone to understand this, that, you know, it's not that you don't struggle with identification. It's that you're comfortable with the one you've built for yourself, which is like, I'm, I'm very strong. I can lift a lot of weight. I can crossfit. Like I can do all of these things. So I, until somebody comes in and does it better than you. Right. And then what's happened? Well, that's what I told her. I said, until, I said, the problem with that, I said, I can disprove your theory really quick. I said, are you this, are you just as good when no one's watching? I was like, because essentially what we want is validation. Now we may be, we may love the arena in which we have re-identified ourselves, and the arena that we've received validation, but it's still the wrong arena if it's one we've built ourselves. So you may have robbed you know, based on her relationship with her father, which I'm not that familiar with, but in that particular case, or we'll, we'll pull the story away from her for a second. You may not struggle with what other people now say about you necessarily. You may have taken that back, which is a good thing. But if you're now building your identity on what you want it to be built on around your paradigm, it's still just as wrong because you're still trying to take control away from the only person that actually has it, which is the Lord. Yeah. I think that's something that God taught me um, just over the last couple of months, just in the fact that, you know, yes, I did take back my identity from, you know, being defined as a mother or a wife or a daughter or those things. But um, then I started looking for my identity in, you know, how much I weighed or how um, fit I was, how I could run, being a nurse, different things like that. And so it's like God started to teach me like what would ha- what would happen if you build your identity on those things and then one day you can't run anymore. One day you can't, um, right. you know, use your hand to be a nurse. That's right. One day, what if you, you know, for whatever reason, you, you know, something happens to your physical beauty and you don't have that anymore, then what? Then what? And so That's it's right. like being, you know, being rooted in the, the fact that our identity is founded only in Christ and on, 
And we do a lot of things, but what we do isn't determining who we are. Like I'm not Ashley the runner. I'm Ashley who runs and even taking it, like you were saying, out of that arena, because for me, you know, I competed in CrossFit competitions and I uh, did well in that, but take me out of the CrossFit gym and put me in my own garage. And it's so much harder to push myself to the same limits. And it's so much harder to, um, you know, I recently stopped posting my workouts on Instagram for this reason, because I knew that God was telling me, who are you doing it for? It has to, it has to be for, if it's not good enough for me to do with knowing that he's the only one who's going to see it, then what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm all for like encouragement. You know, you post things cause you want other people to be encouraged to go do something themselves. Right. I'm all for that. But you know, it's, it goes back to like being honest with yeah. yourself. Like why Motives. am I doing why this? Are you it's doing like, that? Oh, yeah. well I am kind of doing this because I want other people to see me. It's well, validate like, me. Yeah. You're yeah, trying to yeah. build that Give arena. Me a good That's right. what I'm saying. You're building your own personal arena of validation. Yep. So you may have robbed the enemy of painting a validation picture for you yeah which is great the problem is is if you recreate one for yourself you're still just a dangerous territory yeah the if i if anything i think you're in more dangerous of a territory because now you feel better about it as if it's okay for to have self-validation without having god validation mm-hmm. and you'll become very content in that look that arena that location you know yeah. it's like man god he wants so much more for you and, and he wants you to understand there's nothing you can do for him to love you more or love you less. Right. There's no action you can take. There's no degree you can have, no job you can have, no money you can earn, no thing you can buy that would cause God to love you more or love you less. Thank he you. loves you just as much in the hiddenness of your mother's womb as he does out working your tail off. You yeah, know, for exactly. for his kingdom, even if that's what it is. Like he loves you when you're doing nothing and when you're doing everything. That's it. That's it. And that's why I say it. it's like, you know, it it even goes to like well, and that that takes us to our third point, which is affirmation, right? A yep. father gives affirmation yep. and 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 where God says, This is my son with whom I love and who I'm well pleased. And this idea of your father being proud of you, mm-hmm. that affirmation of like a, a good job. Like, uh, and there's the affirmation, actually, there's a whole nother branch that comes off of that with multiple things. But, um, you know, it's this idea that when, what, if you've done it for the gospel, then you've done it well. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. Like if, if you've done it for the sake of the gospel, if you've done it for the sake of Jesus, you've done it well. I think going like full circle here, I think back to Jim Elliott, who he died, step foot on the shore, talked to him about Jesus. They killed him, right? Like God was so pleased with Jim in that moment. And the the word of faith movement people, like not to throw jabs or anything, but like many people would say like, that's a tragedy that he died. But uh, even Elizabeth mm-hmm. and every, like people that have a, an understanding of a gospel centric and Christocentric mentality and like people that have that understanding know that God was never more pleased than that moment right? because he did what he was supposed to do to reach people who are far from God with the gospel and him just having saying whether it was one sentence or however it happened um, because none of us know um, him doing that opened up the door that the next in, in providence right in god's providence created a channel that the next group of missionaries that went back communicated something that he had communicated but they were receptive this time because now two people have shown up talking about it and his him dying for that was worth something and you know god is god is proud of us in our suffering he's proud of us in our loss he's proud of us in our accomplishments but yep. he's not proud of us because of our accomplishments he's proud of us because his child accomplished something and he doesn't care what the accomplishment is he's proud of us because of who we are that's why identification is first right it it, it goes in order like we're identified and then we're validated he loves us but he loves us because we're his so it goes back to the identification but then he affirms us he's proud of us but he affirms us because he loves us but he loves us because we're his right so it keeps coming back like to this idea of identification so the only reason he's proud of us is because he loves us the reason he loves us is because we're his 
And so the identification, validation, and affirmation process, those pillars of fatherhood um, are something that God never lets up on because it all comes back to the one thing. How are we his? Yeah. Well, like for God so loved the world, like, you know, so it's it's also, it's, it's all pointing to the gospel, which is, which is huge. So it's good stuff. Absolutely. Good times. Good, good times. So, yes. uh, man, thank, thank you, Ashley. Thanks for joining us on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, thanks for today. having me. Yeah. Yeah. So now she's got to work later because she took an hour out of her day to come in here. <laughs> yeah. Ashley said, I'm going to write that from my couch while you play. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> I am. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys for tuning in with us again. Ashley, if they want to hit you up on Instagram or something, where can they do that? <laughs> we were just talking about this earlier before we started I need recording. need to change my IG name, okay? You guys, I came up with this like 2009. <laughs> I was a new mom. It's Autumn's Mom 09. Autumn's Mom 09. All but right. I think you can just search Ashley Ladd and it'll pop up. Surely. Surely that's the case. You would One would think. One, one would, would think. think. So uh, thank you guys for listening again. We will catch you next week for... Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow-up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget, you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.